we're talking about how to have the faith of God, uh, we've been going, this is like week 10. So we're, we're talking a lot about what faith is. The last, uh, last week we started getting into talking about great faith, and I want to continue that. And tonight, I just really have it in my heart, we're going we're gonna to really look at some stories, uh, some, some stories in the Bible about certain individuals that lived that the Bible showcases, and you can see these principles of faith. I want to encourage you, go back, listen to these messages, and outline them. Because you get this stuff down in you, I mean, it's amazing. Do you know that when God speaks, his words are enablements? So when, when God says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, it empowers you to be strong in the Lord. Do you know five times it says, the just shall live by faith. Do you realize as you're sitting here as a believer tonight, you've been empowered to live by faith. It is, it is what's, see, it doesn't feel natural, but it doesn't feel natural to your flesh or it doesn't register as natural to any part of your mind that's unrenewed. But to your spirit man, who has been born again and made brand new, to that part of, of your mind that's been renovated with the word of God, it's totally natural. And, and the walk of faith is a rest. So, you know, the just shall live by faith. Well, do you realize you're the just? That word literally means you've been declared righteous. That word, that means you've literally been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Wow. You know, it's funny how people will think that when Jesus lived on the earth, he had nothing. But if you studied the Old Testament, if you just look at keeping the law, the prosperity that it brought into your life, and, and guess how many people kept the law, every bit of it? One. Him. There is no way he wasn't prosperous. I mean, literally, time to pay taxes. Hey, Pete, go fishing. The first fish you pull in. Could you imagine? When, when God the Father told Jesus to say that, there's this fish scurrying around in the water looking for a coin that's enough to pay two people's taxes. I mean, that's amazing, right? Jesus had an unlimited supply. Jesus walked fearless. He walked in health, right? Demons just literally, they're like, Jesus, why are you here to torment us before the time? They saw something in him, and it's not because of what he did only, it's because of who he was, right? So tonight when we talk about faith, this is the way you're supposed to live. And it's simple, and it's easy. Actually, walking by sight stinks. You could even go as far as to say, walking by sight sucks. It sucks the life right out of you. Can you say suck in church, right? It does. It's life sucking. And there's nothing about you and I. Now you're all awake. It's nothing about you and I that should ever touch death. 
So let's talk about great faith once again. Remember, last week we spent a lot of time, we broke down the centurion's servant that was healed, right? We saw some great attributes in him. The other story where Jesus literally says, great faith, I've not seen such great faith, is from a Syrophoenician woman, and we're going to talk about her tonight. But in other words, the two primary areas where great faith are seen, they're very unlikely. The centurion had no covenant with God. Zero. The Syrophoenician woman had no covenant with God. Jesus was sent to the children of Israel. And yet these two, through faith, receive from him. Because there's something that supersedes everything. God, God, the way God set it up, I mean, literally, he even told this Syrophoenician woman, listen, woman, I, I'm not, I'm, I was not called to come to you right now, right? That wasn't until after when Peter has a vision after Jesus is back in heaven, after he's redeemed mankind, and Peter is told to go tell Gentiles about Christ, right? And then Paul, his, his whole ministry was to Gentiles, but that hadn't happened yet. But these two, see, there's something that supersedes everything, and that's faith. Faith moves God. He gets excited about that. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 8, remember we said last week, and Luke chapter 7, these, and, and really, if you weren't here, you'll just have to go back and listen to it. They told the story of the centurion's servant that was healed. The story of the centurion's servant, let me just recap this really fast, is about great faith and its connection to an understanding of authority. To walk in great faith, you will have to understand the authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus. Jesus came out of that grave and he said, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and now you go in my name. He gave us the power of attorney of his name. And right, what's Jesus doing right now? He is literally watching over his word to perform it. Okay? It's a story about the connection of great faith to an understanding of authority. It's a story about the connection of great faith to humility. Humility is a huge thing to walk in great faith. It's connection to reverence and honor and respect for God and the things of God. I mean, you see this. See, we, this is why Satan comes so against respect i mean now now you got to understand we're living at the end of the age it's really crazy because you know i grew up i'm in high school in the 70s right i'm in college in the 80s i'm in bible school in the 90s right and and all this stuff and and you know we dealt with secular humanism but if you'll notice now it's going way beyond all that and now now 
What's in the shadows? See, before in the shadows was this Satanist movement. And they were in the shadows. But they're not in the shadows anymore. Remember like a week ago I told you about an elementary school in Virginia that is starting to have an after-school program to indoctrinate kids in Satanism and the worship of Satan. And that's to be a model that they want to bring all over the country. Right? I mean, we've got Baal worship. They're bringing the gates into the United States and all this stuff. Do you know you can go into a Target department store and get, and, and I saw in talking about respect, it has a satanic goat, which is a symbol of Satan on it. And, and literally it says in big letters, Satan respects pronouns. Satan respects nothing. He doesn't respect a pronoun. He hates everything except himself. And he's a liar. But it's coming right out in front of us. Guys, get excited about this. Because I'm telling you, the enemy has a big mouth. And when he starts coming out and saying, I'm all this, guess what? He's going to get spanked again. Right? Guess who's going to do it? We are the body of Christ. We're the hands. Satan, I'm going to spank you. You get out of my life. Right? The gates of hell. Scream, holler, whatever. This, this world is ripe for a healing revival. It's ripe for signs and wonders and miracles. The enemy is defeated and Jesus is Lord, and we walk by his faith. We walk in his strength. We walk in operating in every area of our life under his anointing. We are empowered by his grace. We stand immovable in his righteousness. This is how we live. We are never moved by what we see. Satan, you're the God of this world. So what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all that is in the world, it's not of the Father, and here's the big part, it is passing away. But we, as children of God, the path of our, our path is to grow brighter and brighter and brighter. That's who you are. Hallelujah. So this is a story about great faith and its connection to faithfulness and obedience. You saw all that last week in the centurion. Here was a man who understood authority. He was humble. He respected the things of God. He honored them. He was faithful. He was obedient. You see his heart. And this is the thing about great faith. Great faith always says this. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Right? We looked at that in Matthew 8, verse 8. You don't, Jesus, you don't have to come here. Right? Remember week one we talked about? The, the, faith, the faith of righteousness speaks this way. It says, say not in your heart, Jesus, you got to come up from the grave again. you got to come down from heaven. No, 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 no. What is the faith which flows out of righteousness? It says, the word is near me. It's in my heart. And it's coming out of my mouth, the word of faith that we speak. 
It says, listen, Jesus, you just speak the word. Well, how do we apply this to our life? Jesus, you spoke your word, and therefore it is done. I am healed. By whose stripes you were healed. If you were, guess what? Then you are. And what does that mean? That if there's any sickness, disease, poverty, lack, all this stuff, it must bow to who you are in Christ now. Amen. Has to bow to the word of God. So that's what we learned with the centurion. Now I want you to go to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to talk about the story of the healing of the Syrophoenician, Syrophoenician woman's daughter. This, this story, just for you note takers, is found in Matthew 15 in verses 21 through 28. It is also found in Mark's gospel, right? Chapter 7 in verse 24 to verse 40. Or I'm sorry, to verse 30. So just seven verses and six verses, not a lot, but what a powerful story. This is a real story and it speaks of a woman of faith, a Syrophoenician woman. A woman, here's an attribute, a woman who would not quit. She would not take no for an answer. A humble woman, here's the big part of this story now, who was willing to make the adjustments in her life necessary adjustments to position herself to receive from God. And this is what great faith does. Great faith is humble enough to go, okay, I need to make some necessary adjustments in my life in order to receive from God. No faith says, God, I want you to do it this way, and you better do it this way right? And if you don't, then I'm going to blame you and I'm going to just sit here and go, gosh, why did God allow this and why is it not working? Right? No, no, no. God, the real great faith never looks, never questions God, but questions where you're at. Is there unforgiveness in my heart? Am I trying to manipulate something just for my own benefit? Or you know, what is my real heart motive here, right? So this is what this woman, this is how this woman moved in this. So let's look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. You guys ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Okay? She cried unto him and said to him, O oh, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now, then we go in, verse 24. And from thence he arose... And went into the, now, I'm sorry, go to Mark chapter 7. 
or if you don't want to just, we're gonna, you could stay in Matthew and then just put Mark chapter 7 up and you could read it on the screen. Because I want to I do all these things so that you can get the whole story. So Mark chapter 7 verse 24 says this, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house and would have no man know it. See, the, Matthew's account didn't say that. Mark's account's making this story, it's bringing out something else. He entered in a house, and he would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. Why? For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. I wonder what she heard. You think she could have possibly heard that demons left people? that people were healed when they encountered Jesus. Of course, that's what she heard. When she heard of him, she came and fell at his feet. Wow. So now I want you to go, well, just hold, hold in Matthew. Now go ahead and put up Luke chapter 6 in verse 17. I want you to see the history of what, I, I want you to see the picture of this. This is what you want to do with the Bible. As you meditate in these scriptures, you actually, it's like, I feel like I've been here. Right? So here's Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoasts of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, and be healed of their diseases. This lady heard of Jesus during this time. So Jesus comes into this town. He goes into a house. He just wants to relax. He wants to do something private. But this woman who heard of him came into the city and she would not, he couldn't be hid. Because this woman was loud and she wanted help, and she knew Jesus was her answer. The woman's faith came by hearing of Jesus. So what had happened? A devil or an unclean spirit had possessed her daughter, right? The woman identified the problem as being caused by a devil or an unclean spirit. Why? Well, she was a... Syrophoenician woman. She knew all about demons, all about demonic stuff because that culture was massively demonic. Okay? No doubt in her life and in her family and in that town where she was from, they had opened so many doors to the enemy that, man, this demon was able to come into her daughter. See, what do we learn from this, guys? We've got Christians who are born again, filled with the Spirit, that they don't know this. you got to realize it is Satan who is afflicting people. When you wake up with a snotty nose, you got to realize, listen, don't sit here and deal with, with symptoms. Well, you know, it's allergy season. Yeah. But what's the root of that? The enemy. He is the one that afflicts people. 
right? The church needs to recognize that the devil is the one who afflicts. Now, it's real interesting that we're seeing such a promotion of Satan, right? I mean, in the same store that I just described, I bet they don't have one t-shirt that says Jesus saves in there, right? Wouldn't do it. No. Guys, in your life, your, your faith is going to come public. There, there's no such thing anymore as a Christian. I'm just going to live a good godly life and kind of keep to myself and I'll just kind of stay. No, 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 no. No, because you're going to be pressed. Satan wants your kids. He wants your marriage. He wants your health. He wants your finances. And he's coming. And his only tool is deception. And he'll yell and scream with circumstances because he's got to get your eyes off Jesus, which is getting your eyes off the word. Otherwise, he can't do anything in your life. The church needs to recognize it's the devil that's doing this stuff. So the woman was crying after Jesus. The woman said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Do you know what that meant? O Lord, the Messiah. This woman had no idea what that meant. She had heard that, so here we are. She's trying to manipulate Jesus to move, to help her. Why wouldn't she? Her whole environment in the Syrophoenician world, the Phoenicians, very demonic culture. If you get around anything demonic, it's all manipulation. All manipulation. Right? So what's she doing? She is saying what she thinks she needs to say to get him to move. And you can't receive from God that way. Because that, your faith can't be built on you. Well, now, we would never do that, Pastor. Why are you even saying that? Oh, really? You're sitting there going, you know, I come to church every Sunday. I come to church every Wednesday. I, you know, I, I, I give my tithes and I sow offerings. And man, I read my Bible even every day. And Pastor Tony, you know, I even, before I go to bed, man, if I can't sleep, I listen to you. Because your voice is so soothing. And I just, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of, I'm a good Christian. And, and, and man, Satan will try to, he'll, he'll try to get you to believe God that if you're good enough, then you could receive from God. He loves that. Because then all he's got to trip you up and when you kick the dog or say something wrong to your wife or husband, then he's like, well, see, you can't receive because it's all about you. Do you see this? Great faith, it's not about you. It's all about him. It's not about trying to manipulate something from him. Now, we would never call it that, but that's what it is. Right? If, I'm just, if I was just good enough. No, it's not about you being good enough. He was good enough. It's all about him. So she no doubt heard others call him that, so she was trying to use this statement to get Jesus to help her. You have to know as a believer, Jesus has already come to help you. Everything about him, he wanted to help you. That's why he went to the cross and he provided it all. 
It's all yours. In the book of Job, chapter 35, in verse 13, there's a great scripture. Job 35, 13 says this. It says, surely God will not hear vanity. That Hebrew word vanity means lies and deception. Neither will the Almighty regard it. Oh, now we know why Jesus ignored her. Because God ignores vanity. Right? He doesn't regard lies and deception. You come to him, you come to him. We learned last week how? In humility, in a reverence and honor and a respect above everything else in your life. Right? You come to him with, with no, just, just heart wide open, pure heart. Now, if you've lived in your life, if you've lived on this earth long enough, man, you know, you could get into this thing of saying what you need to say to get what you need to get. All of us face that every day, right? Do you know, as a pastor, if I ever, that's how come, if I'm ever preaching, there will be times where it's like, oh my gosh, he is talking to me right? I mean, wow, every, I've heard that from so many people. What is that? It's true. The Holy Spirit's talking to you, right? But I'm never saying anything thinking about an individual or thinking about, you know, I'm going to say this to get this result. Because you know what that is? That's manipulation. You know what manipulation is? It's witchcraft. And God I don't, I don't want God to not regard what we are doing here, right? James chapter 4 in verse 6 is a New Testament example of exactly what Job 35, 13 is. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. This word more means it's in the continual present tense in the Greek. You could read it this way, but he giveth more and more and more and more, and, and keep saying that, grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. This means, this word resist means he stands against and he opposes the proud, but he gives grace unlimited to the humble. Wow. See, as you go to the Lord, God sees everything he sees through everything right to your heart right so just just be honest with him because he loves you he's not mad at you and if you've lived a life where man you know you just you've always lived trying to get people to like you and accept you and and you know you've said and you've done things have you ever noticed that never ultimately works because in a best-case scenario, somebody could say they're your friend. But the minute that you're not popular or you do something, they're gone. Right? You don't lose friends. You know that? You just find out who your friends really are. So you might as well just realize 
Listen, God loves you. And his love for you is not based on your behavior. It's based on him. So you can just be wide open. And that's, that's the heart of faith. That's the heart of great faith. So let's keep going through this. This woman had no covenant with God. However, she knew that she needed God's help. She knew that. Guys, what I love about this is, man, I'm telling you, we're living in a world right now where people who would never even consider God before are, are, are they're, 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 they're being pushed in a situation where they're like, wow, this, this is getting really crazy. I have nothing to hang on to here. And God is their answer, right? So that's why we have to get these things. So now let's jump back to Matthew. Matthew 15, verse 23, talking about what Jesus said. But he answered her not a word. Why? Because he, God doesn't hear vanity and he doesn't regard lies and deception. He answered her not a word and his disciples came and besought him saying, can you please send her away? She is crying after us. She won't shut up. Jesus, come on. Can you deal with this, please? Jesus was literally led by his father to not answer her a word, to ignore her. Wow. We always want to have the right heart, don't we? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The other side of that coin is if we don't ask anything according to his will, right? Or if he, we ask something that's not his will, he, he doesn't say no, he just doesn't answer that, right? But what does he do? But the Holy Spirit will start leading you to hear the truth so that you can get that fixed, right? See, this is what's happened in the body of Christ. People have started looking at ministers especially in the pastoral office, as hirelings. Like, you know, we're, we're just starting to get back into the political thing again. We're all going, wow, we're only a little over two years into this administration. Yikes. And, and, and here we go now. Now we're going to start having what we had before. And people who God has gifted and given them a national voice are going to stand in their radio stations and on Facebook and on YouTube, and they're going to tell the Christian world that if your pastor is not doing this, he's weak. I just hope I'm not standing by any of them when they stand before the Lord. Because we're going to see a lot of flames. Because guess what? The fivefold ministry gifts are not hirelings. A hireling is, oh, we hired our little pastor, and, you know, if we say jump, we, he, he has to say how high. I mean, Leanne, think about your dad. Okay, come on, we hired you. You could live in this little shack that we have for you, but now, listen, you're going to have to clean the church and go visit everybody that we want you to visit and, and actually even preach. You could preach this, but don't preach this, and and, you know, and, and if you don't do things exactly like what we like, then we're out. The Spirit of God would rise up in a man of God and go, bye. Love you. 
Hope you figure it out. Right? Because ministers are not hirelings. Here's the problem with your pastor. I am human. So I may actually mess up and do something wrong. And you know what? God will never talk to you about what I did. But boy, will he talk to me. Right? And if I don't get that straight, guess what? Faith Family Church, what we call Faith Family Church, this church will come to maturity. Whether it's called Faith Family Church or whether it's another name and God had to get another man or woman to do this, but his work will go forward. Amen. Well, he's not going to have to do that. Amen. Right? So, so we gotta, we got to realize this. Listen, great faith never manipulates. Never. I hate talking about my office that way because I'm always like, okay, God, I know you want me to say this, but how do I say this because I'm not... I live in a great environment in our church, right? I mean, I, I, we feel greatly loved. It's not always that way for pastors. See, right here in this story, Jesus ignored her. The woman right there could have been offended when Jesus ignored her. In other words, let's talk about this. That's hurdle number one. Jesus flat out ignored her. Could you imagine some lady comes up, pastor, please, she's crying. Can you please, can you pray for my daughter? You know, oh, great man of God, Pastor Tony. And I literally, you guys are all watching and I literally just walk away and I'm like, hey, Torian, so what are you doing tomorrow? Playing basketball? What are you, what, you know, what, what are we doing? And she's like, please, Tony, help me. Pretty soon people would start being like, Pastor Tony's a jerk. Right? I mean, I know that happens. Because, man, when I went to the Bible school I went to, I'm Mr. Personable. And back then, in the early 90s, wow, the ushers at Rama they had this pink line that people would line up. You're not on the pink line when you get prayer? That usher, man, he's like a CIA agent. He's like, get in, I mean, you know, just rude. I'd sit there and go, I'm out. This is ridiculous. God had to deal me with that. It's like, hey, this has nothing to do with you. Be careful, right? The woman could have gotten offended, but she didn't. She could have got offended, number one, when, her, when his disciples ignored her, Right? So there's another hurdle. That's two hurdles she had to overcome. Could you imagine? Person comes in our church building and they're just talking and you know they're coming up to Pastor Edwin. He blows them off. He comes up to Pastor Dave, blows them off, right? And you know, I mean, all, all are, comes up to Pastor Torian, blows them off. That's a hurdle, right? Put this in today. This is what's happening. This woman on her initial approach to Jesus, was not in a place where she could receive anything from God. Why was the Father leading Jesus to ignore her? He was doing it to help her. Because in that place, he couldn't help her. This is about a woman, this story about great faith, 
This was about a woman. Man, the good news is she, had a, she would not give up. She knew what she wanted. She had heard of Jesus and she wanted it. But she just, there was another aspect of her. She had lived in manipulation her whole life and they had, God had to get her in a place. So she had to make some necessary adjustments. You know, for some people, the adjustment is they got to believe. They got to believe that, that God has provided healing for everybody. You know, there's a lot of believers that grew up thinking it was of the devil. That's ridiculous. That's heresy. God is sovereign. He heals some and not others. You know, th there's hurdles there. If she makes the necessary adjustments, then she will position herself to receive from God. So the importance, you got to see this because this is very important, the importance of respect for the ministry. Man, I'm telling you, when we stand before Jesus, we're going to see a whole new level, right? I mean, I, I remember the first time I saw NFL athletes in a weight room. I remember the first time that I saw professional bodybuilders in a weight room. I'm like, this is at a level way beyond. I remember talking to your son. Man, he worked out hard in high school. Then he went to Texas A&M in track. And he's like, that is a whole new level. I mean, he came back. We're looking at him going, whoa. Right? I mean, a whole different level. It's, see, that's what we have to realize. God wants you to have everything. So he's going to position, he wants, he's going to help get you in a position where you can receive. Because he's already given it to you. And he wants you to be able to grab hold of it and keep it. When the enemy tries to talk you out of it and go, no, no, no. So all these ulterior motives and all this junk in your life, here's a big one. Here's a big necessary adjustment. I just don't deserve it. I'm just not worthy. You know what that is? Well, that's humility. Nope, that's pride. Because that's a lie. Do you know, are you a Christian? Then you are worthy. But here's the kicker. You're not worthy because of you. You're worthy because of him. Right? So ditch number one, when you talk about respect in the ministry, you're supposed to be there for me that's why I pay tithes. Pastor, I need you, right? That's, that's a ditch. Here's ditch number two. Ministers get held up so high that people are taught to go to the ministers for everything. Pastor Tony, you have to come. No, no, that, you don't want that. Now, a lot of pastors who are insecure will be like, man, don't say that stuff because... They, you need to let them know they need you. Listen, this is how important I am in your life. If God has sent you here, the gifts inside of me will equip you to do the work of the ministry, supernaturally, right? But if you want to know the importance, which meant if I went home, if I left if I got off and left, if you want to know how much that would change your life, then what you'd have to do is get a bucket of water and put your hand in it 
And, and when you pull your hand out, the indention that would be left is how much you would still need me. Because guess what? You still have Jesus. Right? 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Oh yeah, you know what? I'll lay hands on you. There's an anointing. There's, there's all this. But guess what? You could be healed of anything just by simple, your simple believing God. Believing his word and laying hold of it. Because you're a child of God. It's yours. Right? So let's go on here. Verse 24 of Matthew chapter 15. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here's hurdle number three. Hurdle number one, his disciples ignore. Hurdle number two, Jesus is ignoring her. Hurdle number three, he finally talks to her and he says, hey, I'm not called to you. I'm not here to help you. That's a big hurdle, isn't it? Verse 25, then, so after he said that to her, I'm not called to you. Wow. In other words, you, I'm not called to help you. That's a big hurdle. It says, after he said that, then came she and worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. I know, I know you're not called to help me, but I, I need your help. See, humility makes the adjustments. Do you see the love of God helping her? She came to a crossroad where she had to let go of the manipulation. She had to let go of thinking that she can do something to get her daughter free. And she just finally just said, hey, I'm coming to you. I'm worshiping you. You are Lord and I, I, I flat out need your help. You see that? Humility makes adjustments. If you're taking notes, I would write this down. Pride makes excuses. The humble always get grace. What am I saying to you? Great faith? Don't ever talk bad again about another church, another pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. As a matter of fact, don't ever talk bad about another one of God's kids. Amen. Right? The humble get grace. And grace, boy, I can't wait till I could teach on grace. I have this teach, it's just, grace will enlighten you and help you in your time of need. The grace of God just it's just an empowerment to where, man, it just, it helps you get in a position to get God's help. This woman made the adjustment necessary. She just came to Jesus and said, listen, I just, I just need your help. Why? Because great faith never, ever, ever will quit. You know, I, I've always made the, I, I make the joke about sales. 
right? I, I was a national sales manager. And, and so I always make the joke. In sales, you know, if somebody says no to you, it just means they need more information, right? I mean, Jeanette didn't say no to me. You know, she just grabbed me and said, let's get married. I'm like, okay, I guess so. Should, I pray, should we pray about it? No, I just have to have you, right? Keep that microphone away from her, right? Right? Well, we better go on. I better not go there. Yeah, I love you too. I'll pay for that later, but you know, it's all good. I, the pay for that later is fun, so it's awesome. So. Look at this. So let's get back. I just lost everybody here. So verse 25 of Mark chapter 7. Now let's look at Mark's account of this, what's happening here. Or Mark chapter 7, verse 25 and 26. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Where it said it wor she worshipped him, she fell at his feet. And then Mark's account says this. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought, she begged him. She begged him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. See, the Phoenician culture was completely steeped in Baal worship, in the worship of Ashereth, huge demonic thing. Worship services included infant sacrifices, homosexuality, fornication, all kinds of stuff. How did her daughter get a devil? You know, Proverbs 26.2 is a, is a great, great verse to show us these things. Proverbs 26.2 says, As a bird by wondering, as a swallow by flying, so the curse, remember in the Old Testament, the curse of the law, causeless shall not come. So this curse, the door was opened because of probably what this lady had taken part in, what she was living in, and all this stuff. So this woman of great faith was probably a devil worshiper. I, that gives me warm fuzzies. Because I'm like, God, it doesn't matter where a person is. It doesn't matter where they've been. You can receive everything from God. Isn't that awesome? Why is that? Because for us as New Testament believers, behold, he makes all things new. I love that. Wow. What was going on in her house? We could only imagine, right? So verse 26, let's jump back to Matthew's account now. Matthew 15, verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Yikes. Hurdle number four. Hurdle number one, disciples ignored her. Hurdle number two, Jesus ignored her. Hurdle number three, when Jesus finally talked to her, he told her, I'm not called to help you. I'm called to to the house of Israel. Now, hurdle number four, he says, listen, I can't take the children's bread 
That's the Jewish, right? The nation of Israel. I can't take their bread and give it to a dog. The Jews would call every other nation on the earth dogs. I can't give what the children's bread, I can't give it to dogs. Wow. He's saying the Jews should be first. Jesus wouldn't take their portion of bread and give it to the dogs or the Gentiles. Notice that Jesus calls healing and deliverance the children's bread. He prepares a table before you. It's your bread. You need healing today? It's your bread. You don't have to ask him, right, to give you the bread. It's yours. You call for it. You make, hey, pass, pass the biscuits. Right? That's, that's, it's your bread. I love that. What is bread? In that, in, in that culture, it was a part of their daily supply. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, you and I need a daily supply of healing power flowing from, into our, from our spirit into our body, right? From the Holy Spirit through our spirit into our mortal body. That's Romans 8, 11. Right? They, what, what's Proverbs 4? Verse 22, for they are life to those that find it and health to, or medicine to all their flesh. You, you need a daily supply of the healing power of God. Right? You need more to get healed if, if sickness has attacked your body illegally. But you want to get beyond that and then start walking in divine health. Right? And God wants that for you. We have to understand for great faith, the Lord does not adapt to us. Right? In, in, the, in the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, it says in the King James Version, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word with signs following. You know what? God's not working with me tonight. In the Greek language, it would read literally, and the Lord works with and confirms his word with signs following. Tonight as I pray, I'm like, Lord... Help me. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you that you are going to empower me by your grace and by your spirit to flow with you. He's not working with me. I flow with him. God, we got to get that right. Right? This is, this is huge. We're talking about great faith. In other words, the Lord... It's not going to do things your way or my way. He does them his way. Amen. Thank God for that. Because have you ever thought you should go a certain way and then all of a sudden you come to the end of this and go, yeah, that was definitely not the way. Do <laughs> you know God's never had that thought? He's never went, oh, shoot, I, I shouldn't have went that way. Right? We as children... We have a table prepared for us in our enemy's presence. On this table are full portions to walk in victory, to walk in health, to walk in provision, in peace, in strength, in joy. The table spread. What is it? This is it. 
it all flows from the word of God. This is the table. And whatever you need is on this table right when you need it. Because God went beforehand and he prepared it all for you. Right? Turn your attention to his word and see the rich supply of life, provision, power, finances, healing, all of it. Matthew 15, 27. And she said, truth, Lord. Wow. She dealt with that. Hurdle number four. Not only am I not here to help you, I can't give the children's bread to a dog. Humility responds, truth, Lord. You're right. Wow. Yet, don't the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the, pe the children's table? Now, I know that's true. Because, man, if anything hits our floor, Zoe eats it. <laughs> right? Look at this. Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She's saying, you are my master. And okay, I'm a dog. But don't the dogs eat the crumbs? I don't need bread. Just give me some crumbs. Listen, I know how powerful you are. A crumb will get rid of this demon out of my daughter. Right? Jesus said to the man who was born by four when they ripped up the ripped up the roof and brought him down. He looked at the Pharisees and he's like, hey, which is easier? He didn't say which is harder. Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise, take up your bed and walk? But so that you will know that, the, that, that literally I'm as the Messiah have power on this earth to forgive sin, rise up and walk. Which is easier? Wow. She wasn't asking for the portion that belonged to others. She realized that a crumb of God's power was more than enough to defeat the enemy and deliver her daughter. Now see, we don't deal with that because you're, you're a child. It's your bread. But I want you to see humility. I want you to see she made the adjustments in her behavior and in her heart attitude to get it right. Because of her position, see, why? How, what a thing to come up with. Yeah, truth, Lord, but don't, don't dogs eat crumbs from their master's table? How did she come up with that? This is a big thing, guys. Because of her position of faith and humility, she knew how to answer Jesus. That's why pride, I'm telling you, if you're walking in pride, when the enemy comes, you won't know what to say. Right? But when you get your heart, and, and, and this is the thing, to get your heart right, here, here's, here's how you get your heart right. Don't, I don't want to, see right now, don't think it's, it's something you gotta do. Right? So if, I'm, if this is first place in my life and I'm peering into this, guess what this will do? Puts, puts me in a position where my heart's right. How does my heart get in the wrong place? Start looking at something else. If I'm in a wrong place, how do I get back in the right place? 
Don't let the enemy think, oh man, look at where you are. You're miles away. No, you're not. It's like this and this. Because it's yours. God already gave it to you, so he's not withholding. Why is this not happening? Why, why have I not received this? That, that question, what you're really saying is, why has God not given this to me yet? Why is he withholding? Do, do I need to do something? And Satan will go, oh yeah, you need to do a lot of stuff. Right? See, because of her position of faith, because of humility, she knew just how to answer Jesus. Matthew 15, 28, look at this. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Why? Your faith. You won't take no for an answer. You won't, you're persistent. You won't give up. You have made every adjustment you've needed to make. This is not about you. This is about, you have made this whole situation about God. You are fully persuaded that God, the God of heaven is willing to help you. Wow. Great is your faith. And then he says this, be it unto thee even as you will. Wow, this woman could not quote the scriptures you could quote for what you're believing for. She just simply heard of Jesus. You guys, guys, you're all fully equipped to have everything in your life that doesn't look like what this says to be changed into what this says. Not over years and years and years. No, no, receive it. Make a list of everything in your life that you want to change. Go to the Lord and say, okay, what do you want my life to look for? Here's the deal, though. If you need something, well, what is God's standard? Well, every good and perfect gift comes from above. You don't have to settle, right? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think, but it's going to be according to the power that's working in you. In other words, how you receive from God is not based on him, it's based on you. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Isn't that good news? Wow. O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. How did, Jesus didn't have to lay hands on this daughter. She wasn't even there. Demons have so little power that Jesus just said, hey, great is your faith, be it unto you the way that you want. And the minute he said that, that demon had to leave his, her daughter. Did you hear that? I wonder, I wonder if that would work with Christians who have sons and daughters that are not serving God in another country, in another state. I wonder. I don't really wonder. No, no, it, it would work that way. But why doesn't it? Well, you go to the Lord and say, okay, show me what I'm not seeing. Show me where my motives are wrong. What, God, I know all things are possible with you, so just show me. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. And when he says jump, say, yes, Lord, how high? And by the way, I'm going to trust you. You're going to have to empower me to jump. 
right? But get ready because the Holy Spirit will start going, okay, you want this? Great. Let me, have you ever went to a chiropractor? You know, and, and you walk in there and man, there's like a rib underneath your left shoulder blade halfway down your back and he's just kind of messing with you and then he punt, he hits and you're like, mm. that's, that's the way God knows just how to get you positioned to receive everything. You're, you're his child. So don't get, don't get tilted if all of a sudden he just says, hey, um, Tony, I need to talk to you about that area. And you're like, <laughs> your flesh is going, no, not that area. I love that area. Don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. It's all passing away. You will love freedom. You'll love walking in your freedom and your provision and your healing. You'll love all that stuff. You'll love living in an arena where now all things are possible because you believe. Wow. Yes, it does. That's awesome. The, this ungodly woman made adjustments to position herself to receive from God through her great faith. And Jesus honored the woman, the Gentile woman's faith. Victory was her reward, deliverance from her daughter, Heaven's supply for her faith. Jesus did not have to be present to deal with the devil. Jesus spoke and the devil was delivered out of her daughter. Wow. But we who are in covenant with God must also be willing to make the necessary adjustments to position ourselves to receive from the Lord. Self-centeredness and selfishness, if you're, if you're living out of your flesh at all, which means if you're looking at natural things at all, it creates a blind spot in Christians. Some Christians are so incredibly rude that they actually have a heart to witness to people, but they turn so many people off because of all these blind spots. They're always trying to tell everybody what to do. Right? Right? It doesn't, it's a blind spot. Don't get down on them. Have you ever, have, has the Lord ever helped you with a blind spot? Oh, Lord, thank you, right? Show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong. Show me a blind spot. God, I just, right? I mean, David, as, a, as, as someone who wasn't born again, he's like, Lord, create a clean heart and a pure heart in me. If there's anything in me that's not right, help me, right? It's a heart attitude. Another thing about faith is it's persistent. It's persistent. So man, let me close this by listing qualities of great faith that we've seen in these last two examples. The centurion and the Syrophoenician. The centurion's servant was healed because of the centurion's faith. The Syrophoenician's daughter was healed because of the Syrophoenician woman's faith. So great faith is connected to an understanding of authority. Have you heard that before? Earlier today? Great faith is connected to humility. Great faith is persistent and never 
gives up. Great faith is connected to a reverence and an honor and a respect for God and the things of God. Great faith is connected to faithfulness and obedience. Great faith says, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Right? Great faith is willing to make the adjustments necessary to position yourself to receive from God. See, real faith simply says about oneself and one's circumstances what the word says. That's what it says, what the word says. Real faith is built on the word of God. We'll talk more about this stuff, huh?